Hello and welcome to Is This Room Free? My name is Martin Drake and I'm an ex-HR professional who is now the founder and managing director of Hire People, a recruitment business that is raising the standards in the way recruitment agencies operate. In this podcast, I will be talking to HR professionals and listening to the stories of their careers. I will be finding out about the journeys they have taken and what they have learned along the way. The purpose is to help others in the profession identify and understand the various paths available and take inspiration from my guest speakers. Whether you are someone who is looking to get that first step on the HR career ladder or an aspiring HR director, I hope you get value from my conversations. So, without further ado, let's get on with the show. Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode of Is This Room Free? Um, so this week I've got a, a fantastic guest. Um, we, our paths crossed uh, last summer um, when um, you were looking for a new role and um, kind of helped you then. And, and we, well, I think we got on like a house on fire. You might disagree completely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but <laughs> I mean, we've just spent half an hour chatting even before we've, we've started on the podcast. Um so, yeah, just, you know, we said at that time, I said, I'd love to get you on. You've um, you've got a really great style about you and, and you've got um, your own unique journey into HR and, and some of the roles that you've had. Um, and just, just didn't realise that a whole year had passed um, that you've been in your current role. So we um, we got back together, um, had a chat and, and here we are today. So um, I'll pass over to Julie. Um, do you want to just tell the listeners um, who you are, kind of what, what your role is, where you work, that sort of stuff? Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, Julie Furnival. Um, and currently working with Escape to Fray Island based at the back of Piccadilly Station um, in which Manchester. Which for, I was going to say, which for kind of listeners outside uh, Manchester is, is is based kind of very central in Manchester, isn't it? And it's, it's a unique, it's a, I mean, people won't know what it is. It's, it's kind of like a venue, isn't it? Yeah, it's an extremely large venue for entertainment, food, drink. Um, it's like a, a, a 365 day festival uh, <laughs> site um, with a capacity of about five and a half thousand people. Wow. Um, yeah, on our on one of our busiest days just before Christmas, we um, had nearly eight thousand people through the doors, which was incredible <laughs> in one day. Um, so yeah that will give you a bit of an idea of the volume that we um look after but yeah it's for families couples friends um it's one of the biggest outdoor spaces in manchester so um we were born out of out of covid and um we're extremely successful from that um when we opened in 2020 and we were the biggest space in manchester that allowed people to kind of meet up through um kind of after the pandemic and um and throughout it to meet outside in a safe environment Um, yeah i remember going on the website when you got the job and um i I thought it looked amazing and i've 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 had every intention to go i've just i'll be honest i've not been to manchester um since since we even spoke um but it looks yeah for anybody kind of in manchester or um looking to go to manchester it looks it it just looks amazing when you look at the website yeah and and even when you yeah when you arrive it's just mind-blowing even compared to like what you see you don't quite realize the vastness of of the space and and it now from September there'll be a connection into the um the 
the park that's being built next to it, um, which is also incredible. So there'll be even a wider space of accessibility around there. So, yeah. Fantastic. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. So let's start from the beginning then. So how, tell me about how you got into HR. What was your journey? So I first discovered that like, HR was a thing um, when I, I was with Nando's, so I was working with them as an assistant manager and then moved to a general manager, which they call a patrol. And um, and in that, I started getting into learning development, doing company inductions for new employees around the Manchester area and then later Northwest. And um, just realised that I loved people and I loved stuff that was kind of outside that everyday operation um and then any kind of training opportunities that came up that were kind of HR related I was just throwing myself into it's funny isn't it I've had guests on the the podcast before and I've, I've met so many so many people that they come through this either retail or hospitality space where They've they've maybe worked in hospitality for for years. Um, suddenly got some management experience, and actually, it's the first time they're exposed to doing HR or people related issues. And they're like, "Oh, I really like this. This, you know, I didn't know this existed." And and it's it's a it's funny how just how frequently and commonly it happens when people go. Well, actually, the operations side of it, I'm. You know, yeah, I love hospitals for for the energy it has, or you know, reasons like that. But actually, I'm really interested in this, and I can see this now taking my career in a different direction. Maybe, you know, it's it's hard in hospitality, isn't it? As a as an actual career, it's long hours, pay isn't amazing, and I think sometimes people see it as oh, actually, there's that I could leverage on that, and that could take me in a in a different vocational route. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it was an unconscious transition that was being made at that point because they didn't really give it like that HR label, really. Um, You must have been there through the absolute boom years as well. Yeah, they were incredible years, Nando's. Just, I, I cannot tell you exactly how much I appreciate that business for everything it's given me it is absolutely the benchmark of everything in terms of um, my approach to any business like I I probably annoy people quite a lot because I still go well in Nando's (laughs) but it even back then like 12 13 years ago um when I was kind of really in my kind of prime role really with them um they were doing things there and then that even some companies would only wish to be able to do now. Are they, are they a franchise or is it an actual, it's just Nando's that own all of the restaurants? So they're franchises. I don't know now, but like, but back then, kind of just before I left, they were they were buying back some of their franchises um, abroad. Oh, right. okay. So all of the UK um, were owned um, by the company no franchises and then just about two years before I left they were branching out into the USA 
Right. And so, and that has just completely taken off. Um, and that's, I believe that is all of the UK owned. Um, and um, some of their restaurants that they have in South Africa. Um, but in the UK, it's, and, and I believe America, it's it's considered its own kind of remit. Um, and they were in the process of buying back a lot of their franchises um, around the globe. Right. So, um, yeah. Just uh, from almost from nowhere to then, you know, become a, you know, a dating phrase, wasn't it? <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, even now, my 13-year-old is like, I'm just going to go to Nando's with my mates. And I'm like, oh, my God, you were born when I worked there. <laughs> I know what happens when people go to Nando's. <laughs> you are not going to Nando's. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know. So what sort of, when you talk about the you know the nostalgia that you you just express in terms of um they just did it right what do you mean by that so if anybody's listening you know what were the best practices and the takeaways that you um you know that you learned from working there yeah i think before taglines and strap lines became you know like something that the corporate businesses like felt that they just had to do that had absolutely no meaning behind them at all Nando's actually has that's a scathing comment <laughs> it became a bit of a trend didn't it yeah where yeah. people were saying oh I'm going to write a mission statement and I always think when I when businesses like talk about that when I go into a business and I just say well what what, why do you want to have a mission statement? What is your mission? Like, don't write one just because your competitors have one. Have something because it's actually meaningful to you. And if it takes you ages to try and figure out what a mission statement should be, and you're spending hours and hours and hours writing one, then it probably means you shouldn't have one. Yeah. Um, so, but with them, they they were doing that way before that was the core to their business and one of their um kind of strap lines really and mantras was it's the people who make the chicken and I cannot stress enough about the importance that's very clever yeah yeah and people are at the core the, those grillers that are like you know flipping chickens and, and every single day are the most important asset to their business beyond everything else and it shows that if businesses actually like considered people in the way that they do then you can be extremely like successful um you know businesses talk about well you know people are our most expensive commodity but they are also our most important but do they really genuinely consider that people are the most important genuinely and I'll be honest like I haven't really met a company that consider people that important like so what what, so what did they do that that put the money where the mouth was then in terms of having a statement like that how did they how did they treat the people differently yeah say so they listened say so they had one one kind of way that they did that was they had um reps that were employees in every single restaurant who were like a little mini trade union representatives but they not only gathered ideas thoughts um 
that people had about everything in the business and operationally but any good ideas they would put into practice say for example the the chicken that you have in in your salt and pepper on your table when they do a check back that was an, an idea of one of the employees had as a representative or one of the staff fed to a rep um, that they implemented across the business and that is in every single restaurant across the world that process um so it proves that things like that they listen to they listen to people they hold conferences for those those employees so everybody's ideas are being listened to um as as a general manager you have a you know a considering the size of the business your voice is really well heard their training and their development and their support is unbelievable every single person whether you are working in operations whether you're working in their central support head office goes through training within the restaurant and does every single role that every person would do in a restaurant so I was grilling for um, a week to two weeks I was on the floor as a cashier and clearing tables I so that was the first month I was doing all those roles then you go that interesting do you think that puts some people off as well so let's say you're let's say you're going as a a credit controller into head office and they're saying okay great you know think you'd be great in our credit control team you'd be great at driving down our death days and getting money into the business um but for the first month you're going to be working in one of the the restaurants and you're going to be grilling chicken and you're going to be cleaning up and i i think the concept of it is great i've actually done something similar in an organization i worked at. i had to work in on the production line for a day um um so i kind of get it um, but do you think it also it could put some people off and which isn't necessarily a bad thing either because you go well you're not our type of person then uh, yeah that's exactly what I was going to say is for the company it's not necessarily a bad thing because if you're not prepared to do something that you are going to ask somebody else to do then you're you're not right and I guess it's I a difference by that yeah I guess it's a bit difference between going well, I want a job versus I want to be part of an organization. You know, yeah. I guess Nando's are saying, we're a, we're a business, we're an organization. This is what we do. And everybody's part of that. So everyone's going to go through the same journey. Everyone's going to understand what it is that drives money in, which is the the, the restaurants and, and and be a part of that and understand it. And you're joining Nando's because you want to be part of all that versus I just want a credit control job or, you know, whatever the job it may be. You're almost then, I guess, um, weeding out those people who aren't in it to be part of the collective. Yeah, because, you know, why why are you not prepared to do that? That's That would be my question is why why is that possibly beneath you to do that? Because that 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 could be the only reason why you wouldn't be prepared to do that um also how could you say say it was like a, a credit controller or a financial controller's role how can you then advise the business uh, if you don't understand how it operates yeah. from the very core and so you know everybody understands everybody's role and the teams in the restaurants respect those people you know they don't call it a head office they call it a central support because it's all about that they are supporting the restaurants to be able to operate and everybody works together 
And that that is the key and the core that I take across into any other business that I've worked for is everybody needs to work collaboratively and together and nobody is beneath anybody else in the workplace at all. It's about, you know, everybody plays their part for the business to be successful. Yeah, that's, it's a good way of kind of flipping it. And like you say, sometimes I think words are used just for words' sake. Um, and you could say, you know, well, we're central services to facilitate all of the um, the restaurants, um, you know, UK and globally. But if you then kind of go, well, head office, by nature of it being called the head office, distinguishes itself as being superior to all the other offices. Um, and if you just take that away and say, well, you know, we're central services and it's not just to dress it up in a gimmicky way, actually. No, we're just here to provide the central support support yeah. to you you're the guys doing you know in front of the customers we're just the, we're behind you helping you and I think when you explain the name but the reason why it's called that it really then has more of an impact and hits home and just yeah strikes a chord better I guess yeah yeah right. absolutely so they were literally yeah across every almost touch point that they could do is very considered about okay how are we gonna do it the right way by our people and then sounds very holistic actually and you know but everything's almost very considered about about how they operate as a business and um inclusive i guess is a the word that's kind of coming to mind absolutely inclusive like you know look let's not you know i'm kind of glorifying it a lot it was never you know perfect all the time but you knew that everybody was really trying their hardest to do the best they possibly could and yeah things sometimes you don't get things right but their, their feedback culture everybody had feedback um and you know whether you were performing really well whether you weren't and if you weren't really performing well or you know you needed some development it was there, the support was there, or if they couldn't find that, you know, it wasn't there immediately, they would find it for you. It definitely was that kind of, that phrase that, or that word that puts people off about a family, but it definitely was, it definitely was a family. And going through that business at that, the time that it transitioned as well, I learned so much about myself personally about what I wanted in my career and um and even through some you know difficult personal times that I went through their support for me as an individual was second to none and I I feel like I'm getting emotional now (laughs) um but yeah they I could never ever thank them enough for the support they gave me in in that business um on a personal level because well, look, yeah, they were look incredible. you know here you are what eight years later talking you know obviously people are listening to this they can't see it but you know you you kind of welling up a little bit you are listen how um complimentary you are about the organization it's it it's they, they've done it the right way and here you are eight years later still like you work there you know flying the flag Fernando's because yeah it just shows doesn't it you treat people the right way and really care about people and and they don't forget that it, it sticks with them and, and it sounds as though you've used that as a, a a template as you've kind of moved on to other organizations you know almost kind of the best practice of well here's the gold standard let's let's you know I'll try and now create another version of that in the organizations that I work for yeah 
Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Okay. So, uh, so we we digress massively, but it was really interesting to talk about. So, uh, so you went from a, I'm gonna I'm gonna butcher it when I say this a patro. Patrow, yeah. Patrow, Patrow. Family, yeah. So you went from that into, um, how did that, that kind of transition then over into the, the HR? You said about, you know, trying to literally throw yourself into every um, HR activity that came up that you could do. So how did your your actual career kind of move over then? So it mainly went into the world of ER. Um And so I started looking after um, ER cases in my restaurant and then in terms of the region, any kind of larger cases that came up. I was working quite closely with the HR in central support. Um, I'm guessing you had to obviously apply for for a role like this it didn't just you know yeah you would go through like very very intensive training like incredible just just on how to do disciplinaries like that process was you know I think it was three days worth of training which is you know people don't even get that as a a general manager you just don't get that level of training on how to do a disciplinary just go just do it do it um (laughs) or I'll coach you through one and then you can just do it um so yeah so I went through that training once you've gone through that training you have like yeah unrivaled support um throughout every kind of stage and then um yeah then I was called upon to look after those larger cases um I was known as the the ice queen (laughs) They knew that probably if I was coming into the restaurant and there was a meeting, someone was probably going to get the sack um, because there, it didn't happen that often there. So if if I was going in, then um, there was probably quite a good reason why, um, which, you know, it, it comes with the territory, doesn't it? It does, it, yeah. You're you, never going to be liked for sacking people. Everyone's always going to give you a nickname, aren't you? You're going to get a reputation if if that's yeah. your role of, right, well, Julie only handles the really serious stuff and if she turns up at your store, uh, you know that the shit has hit the... Yeah. And I'm like, I'm really not like that. I'm actually really nice. Like, <laughs> But one thing... Did you have that, that written on the back, like on, on, <laughs> on the back of your T-shirt? I'm actually really nice. Yeah. But an an amazing thing I learned that I've always kind of kept with me through that um, process and through that training and support and development is that no matter if you are, even if you are having to sack somebody, that they should always understand how you came to that conclusion. Even if they don't agree with it or if they don't like the outcome, they should always understand how you came to that. And that's one thing that I try to give managers in any role that I've been in before. So it was it was a great um, position to be in, really, with them. And as I started taking on more of those roles, I started looking after kind of the region um, as kind of more of an MD role when MDs were on holiday um, as well. I kind of started to step back a little bit from the restaurants and so took on restaurants with smaller turnover um, to try and focus a bit more on that. Having teams that are developed that were a lot stronger, that were ready to kind of take on that general manager role. And so I could kind of put my focus 
part-time on in the world of learning development ER um, and that's at that point when I was kind of splitting my weeks per se um, was when I realized that I was like HR is actually like a thing and I started looking into do I do my CIPD and I started really like pecking the heads of like the HR professionals within Nando's and asking them like how do I do this how do I do this full time and I was really conscious I was a, I was a young single mum and I, I really needed to like figure out a balance that I couldn't always work like evenings and weekends all the time um that I needed some kind of balance as well and this I'd found something that I actually really liked um and then yeah that's where then um unfortunately not through choice but through personal circumstances I had to move away um from Manchester for a brief period and um and I was actually offered a role um with Nando's in their central support in Putney um but I the the commute was just too long from the Midlands where I was living to be able to do that every day in terms of that that work-life balance with being a single parent I just couldn't do it um so that's why I decided to part ways with them um but I secured a role with Monsoon Accessorize and that was my first full-time HR job that I had with them supporting them in their distribution center and some of their head office functions so you went in as a as a HR advisor yeah so you must have I mean I'm, I'm going to make an assumption now. When you went into that role, so, so you've made that transition from, you know, operational kind of hybrid type into a, a into a kind of formalized HR role. Did you did you go into it thinking, well, actually, uh, this is quite bread and butter, given you know I was in quite a esteemed role at um, at Nando. It just wasn't a um, an orthodox HR position. Um, but then kind of equally going, you know, general attendance issues, bread and butter, like I, I, I can do a lot more than this. Yeah. Well, I was actually surprised how much I knew okay. because I hadn't gone through like. Uh, so you actually thought as you moved, that you were kind of going at the right level. But when you're in there, it was like, I know loads. Yeah, well, even applying for the job and I thought, am I going to, should I be doing this? Am uh, I really, you know, it's a bit of an imposter syndrome and thought, can I, can I do it? Am I worth like this? But, you know, I, I surprised myself and I was on assessment days with, like, I think there was about 15 people and, you know, people who had worked like incredible HR professionals and, and I got offered the role and I was so amazed. Like I couldn't believe that I'd got the role. Like I surprised <laughs> myself. But I think that that operational experience, which still even now always comes up, like in terms of my operational experience going into HR roles, because you have to have that understanding Um you really do and even if you've gone through a traditional HR route where you've gone from an administrator through to show that you're willing to put time and attention and effort into understanding the operations of a business is like incredible for for an HR career I believe um, I, 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 I agree with you you know there's it is really hard because a lot of people go through a, you know 
what classes an orthodox route so maybe university hr admin assistant and, and they they remain within the realms of just a hr career now interestingly i think a lot of people get overlooked and dismissed when they're trying to transition from an operations background over into maybe hr or, or finance or marketing whatever it might be i actually think they bring in a very unique skill set because they've they walked in the shoes of the people that they're looking to serve from a HR perspective. You know, I, I hope it, it, it differentiates me as a recruiter, the fact that I worked in HR for six years, that when I recruit for HR people, and it's, it's why we don't do sales calls. I, I know how frustrating it is to be, have multiple sales calls every day as a HR person. So I, we try and kind of approach it the way that, you know, um, takes away the frustration the pain of when I worked in it but I think it helps me you know I I I say to everybody my best years as a recruiter were the years that I didn't spend doing recruitment it was when I worked in a business in HR because I learned how businesses worked I you know I, I saw how all of the different cogs fitted together I saw how what they were doing in well, what the purchasing team did and how that impacted the engineering team and how that then worked through manufacturing and finance and sales and marketing. And it all just, it was like, I suddenly got to see the full picture and it helped me as a recruiter. So I I massively advocate somebody coming from operations or having experienced something outside of just HR. Don't look at it as a negative. Actually, it can be a massive, massive positive um, and yeah. I and I would also say to anybody, if you get a chance in HR to spend time in a secondment or whatever of just doing something a little bit different, do it because it will give you a, a different perspective. And it it can I think it can only be a good thing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, it can. And I think getting the role with Monsoon Accessorise working part in their dc and looking after their dc as an operation mainly really just so people understand people. dc distribution center distribution center yeah, yeah sorry anybody not familiar with the terminology yeah or the abbreviation <laughs> but i think there was that that operational knowledge was very closely linked to like the operations of a distribution center and um it was uh, the guy that that ran that that distribution center I probably learn a lot more from him um, than than I probably did from the HR department. He will love that. Like, <laughs> unfortunately, he's probably <laughs> he's not going to be listening. I might send him the link point. to this yeah. podcast afterwards because he will he will absolutely love that. But he was an incredibly inspiring person um in terms of we were talking about organization weren't we before this podcast and like he was probably the most organized like person I've ever met um but to run a slick operation the way he did on that size and volume was just mind-blowing like just mind-blowing and it really I think I I understood when I was working there and I and I used to go down to Notting Hill and work in their head office as well. And so I was supporting some of their functions down in head office. Um, but I understood that actually I wanted to learn about lots of different businesses then. And in order to be a very well-rounded HR professional, in order for me to also advise businesses on how to operate with best practice. 
I needed to understand lots of different types of businesses. So within Monsoon, I learned all of those functions and what they were doing in terms of more so in terms of finance, in e-commerce, fashion as a, as a whole, like retail as a whole, but also from um, the distribution center side, like just incredible procurement. I learned stuff that I, I just never learned before. And so it meant that in my future roles post Monsoon Accessorize, I could then take that into other businesses to advise them on how to operate and work more effectively. Yeah, I I, I completely, you know, I, I've kind of just alluded to it, but you, you, just hearing you talk, because I'm just thinking of examples of, you know, I remember um, just, just being in, in, in China and, you know, because um, when we were there, you didn't really have a lot to do. You were kind of in, in the hotel. Um, and if you don't speak Chinese, it's kind of hard to go out and do much socialize. But I remember just, you know, spending a lot of time with the the manufacturing director and the head of purchasing. Now, did my day-to-day interactions kind of align a lot with what they did? Not really. But just spending time talking to those two guys who were really worldly, far more experienced than me, I learned so much just about about business and operations and sometimes the politics that go in within it and and how to negotiate and handle those situations. And, you know, I, I can agree with you, you know, sometimes people who you're not closely aligned to on paper in terms of um, maybe the work that you do, but actually spending time understanding their world and what they've learned. It just, yeah. You know, I, I can still remember conversations that I had with them and stuff that I learned just by, you know, just by through virtue of kind of being in a hotel together of, you know, for four hours of an evening and not much else to do. But I was so thankful that, you know, I can look back and still remember the stuff that that they taught me that develop my commercial acumen is probably the way I would describe it. It just yeah. made me more rounded in appreciating what goes on and how to handle situations and you know they they were kind of gritty you know they they'd seen it all and done it all and and I was you know fresh faced um and just yeah learned a lot from them cool okay so then what happened after kind of monsoon why did you decide to to leave there so monsoon um I actually it was a maternity cover role and I was offered a, a full-time role with them um permanent um but there was a role that came up down the road that was an HR manager role and I was like I'm just gonna go for it I'm just did you because you you admitted you know went for the assessment center and had a bit of imposter syndrome at monsoon but only what nine months later now going for HR manager role did was it that nine months that really reinforced your own belief then of going I'd learned a lot at Nando's and it is applicable you know and and you know I I now feel confident I could do a HR management type role yeah it was it was exactly that and I you just needed that encouragement I do know actually I do know what I'm doing and like oh this is like an actual thing like I I understand the role I was I was very surprised I think the, the hardest transition for me was going from like something in operations um that was very physically demanding as well as mentally demanding, but going into like an office-based role at Monsoon. And um, that was the biggest kind of challenge I'd had. But 
I was like, I actually quite, I actually quite like this. It's, you know, it's very good. I love it. Like, and I think I might be able to do it. And then there was a role for an HR managers. And I thought, I would, you know, I was a little bit cocky and thought, oh, I'm just going to go and apply for it and see if I get it. Don't ask, <laughs> so, you never know. Yeah, exactly. And it was such an amazing company. Like, again if anybody is like you know researching these companies I'm talking about blue skies gosh in terms of inspiration of what they do in the world and how they support people is unbelievable um I won't rant so go on, about what, them, go on what, did they, what did they do so they are they um deliver cut prepared fruit so the fruit that you see in like little containers in your supermarket of like your chopped pineapple or mango, etc. So they deliver those and supply those into, I don't know where they are now. So, um, but they, at the time they were delivering into uh, Marks and Spencer's, Aldi, Sainsbury's um, and Waitrose. They also um, partnered with Waitrose. I don't, I'm not, entirely sure if they do now um partnered with waitrose with their um foundation scheme as well um which was amazing and what sets them aside from an, any other company is their farms are based um and their operations for um their factories are based on the farms and so your fruit that you're eating from aldi or marks and spencers will be fruit that could have been growing the day before in Ghana or Brazil or South Africa. So what they do is pick the fruit, take it straight to the factory, which is right on the farm, cut it, chop it, prepare it. It flies over in aeroplanes that are already flying to the UK. So with all your luggage on your holiday that you've worked, where you've been to South Africa on holiday, that will go with some fruit <laughs> to Heathrow Airport, which is then distributed across the UK into supermarkets the following day. Wow. Mind-blowing. So your, your fruit that you see in the supermarket, like a full watermelon, could have been sat on a ship across the world yeah. for six weeks whereas you could be in watermelon from one of these little prepared pots that would have been growing in one of those countries About two like, days ago yeah. yeah wow okay yeah. So, talk to me about kind of your <laughs> talk to me about your your role then um so you've gone in as, as HR manager was it a new role had there been somebody there before how did you approach this role it was a new role somebody who um like kind of took on administrative duties um who actually worked in finance which is usually like the way really isn't it yeah, like, yeah. especially with small companies um had been kind of taking on hr duties and they realized that they needed somebody to look after the payroll and to start to write policies and to make sure the contracts were right and processes were being followed basically um, so um, I was based in their office, their head offices, which they had in Pittsford in Northamptonshire. Um, and yeah, it was a very small team. There was 15 of us, um, including the chairman. Um, really small um, operation then. Yeah. In terms of that centralised yeah. bit. Yeah. 
um yeah incredible and then um yeah so I just kind of looked after worked very closely with the financial controller looked after um the main um UK factory operation that was down in Kent I also had a team that I looked after in Amsterdam as well because we sold into the supermarkets over there. Um, so there was a sales team that was based over there that I looked after and then looked after the, the function um, in head office as well. And then I would help support and advise in um, for the factories in the other countries as well. Um, but mainly my role was about um, kind of people communications and bringing people together. So, yeah, if anyone says they can't make a Zoom, we used to do a Zoom across <laughs> South Africa, Brazil, um, Ghana and Amsterdam. And where else? And this was six years ago. And yeah, and the UK, and we would do that on time every single Tuesday. So if you can't bring people together in the UK, <laughs> guys can bring people around the world together. <laughs> so what did you, so I guess, you know, you have a, you're very passionate about inclusion and um, coming from where you've come from and the organisation that you work from, you learned a lot kind of along the way. This is your first role now as HR manager, an opportunity for you to kind of fly that flag with with clout, I guess. You know, you've got a seat at the table in front of the, the chairman. So uh, talk to me about how you approached that role then. What did you, you know, they they wanted you to come in and talk about, you know, people communication. So, so what did you do that you learn or you'd leveraged on from, you know, where you'd worked previously? The biggest thing that I did first and foremost was about talking to people and what they needed. Now, I could have gone into that role and I could have just sat there and processed bits and they would have been quite happy with that for just someone to just come in and plod along and not do anything more than whatever was required. And, it and you know, you could have gone in there and had quite a cushy life, really, in some ways. But I like to push boundaries (laughs) a little bit I like to give myself probably too much work for my own sanity to do um but I also want to be able to like support a business to do really really well and support the people within it and so if I see like you know chances where I think there's more that can be done um then you know I'll do that but I think you can only do that once you speak to the teams and speaking to the managers and there were so many managers across so many different parts of the business like I'd like I'd learned from in in monsoon I'd learned about all these different elements and parts of a business and this was a different type of operation albeit you know, there was a lot of elements from the, the DC that from Monsoon that were very translatable. Um, but I needed to understand a business first and foremost. I can't just go in now. You know, a lot of my roles now are going in and setting up functions and HR functions. And that was my first kind of try at that, really. And I think, yeah, the, the best thing I did was to understand the business first and foremost, and never assume just because you might have worked in that industry before, never assume that you know how that business operates, or also never think that there is only one way that you can operate as a business. And so um, I never consider myself to know, be kind of all knowing. I can offer lots and lots of advice and I can share lots of my experiences, but 
people don't have to do what I say. I, I can put a good case forward and, and, you know, put a good argument forward. But ultimately, the business decides what they want to do. I just have to make sure that their decisions are well informed. Yeah. Um, and hopefully as people focused as they possibly can be. Um, and that that's the biggest thing I learned. And they were very people fo- focused, like Nando's were, um, really were, but they were just very, very small, very, and this, I don't mean this, you know, at all against them, but they were very inexperienced at that point to, but their intentions were so, so good. And they were so genuine and and kind about people. It, it was just kind of really accelerating them forwards to where they needed to be because they'd expanded beyond like you know ridiculous amount. Um, so yeah, okay. that's that's where I was at really with them. Fantastic. It's very, it does sound very much like you know that that um, that blueprint of Nando's. Has, has stuck with you you know you've you've learned other industries and other um uh, you know the complexity of a distribution center and how that works and um you learn about different businesses and, and operations but it sounds as though it's that that kind of fundamental nando's blueprint that seems to almost be your kind of your base template that you kind of build in on each time mm, yeah it's my core values really and one like Nando's had you know values that they lived by which fed through their whole business and one that is is always key to me and and at my heart is having integrity and I think that is the most important thing personally and professionally uh, is that I always live by and so that's what I always try to communicate in any business I go into really yeah fantastic okay and then um so what happens after kind of blue skies where did you move on and then from blue skies so um i was going to move back to manchester i missed here even though it's not where i'm from but it was my home and me and my daughter just wanted to come back home um so (laughs) and i met my partner and he was back here that we'd known for many many years we were friends and then decided actually we'd like to be together we quite liked each other so (laughs) it all kind of worked out and so there was a role that had come up that was working in the midlands and but was actually um working between the midlands and roncorn and then it was slowly moving and transitioning to um to roncorn and it was a fixed term role um but it was a large scale change project that i was part of and i was heading up and so, so I something thought, very different then yeah completely different but it meant that one what it was the time scales were like spot on for like when i would be looking to move it meant that actually i could keep the same job and still work whilst i was moving across the country um it also meant that I was doing a project that to get the experience to do a project like that on its own without all of the other things that go on in HR is like, you just, it's very, very rare that you'd get an opportunity to do that. And even though I'd had like the odd, like 2P experience and the odd kind of like structural change 
um, experience. I'd never been given a whole project like that to look after and handle, but with the support of a of a very large um, HR um, function within a corporate business. And I've not worked for a corporate business on that scale either before. So all of the things that I would be learning in those nine months, I just thought, I, I can't say no. This too, is almost too good an opportunity. The stars yeah. aligned. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, I suppose like you say, stars aligned, you know, circumstantially, but also the uniqueness of an opportunity like that to for your own career development and personal development. Yeah, yeah, and to have that, you know, on your CV that you know how all of the elements of of that change project, it was, you know, it was redundancies, it was 2P, it was relocations, it was, it was, it was all of that. And so I just thought I can't, I can't say no to that. And yeah, they were, they they were an amazing company actually that was Rico sorry that I worked for and they were an amazing company it was incredible to um to work for a business like like them and even though um for people that don't know they are like a, a printers um a printing firm um and but because the the world of printing was dying out um <laughs> although they were the first to use the 3d printer i'll put that out there oh. um yeah so um they were selling uh working space concepts and so what does that mean <laughs> yeah honestly their head office is incredible incredible for like to if anyone gets a chance to go around because it's, it's their kind of sales space for their working um, practices and concepts. So it's all about hot desking, collaborative working, um, lots of breakout spaces, lots of chill out zones. They had like a, they had a room that was like a kind of like a, a wellness room that you could just go in and like just going you know i went to i went to one of these last week i went to an organization um to meet to discuss a role and um and this was it was exactly the same their um their whole concept is they um they've now kind of adopted to um remote working and and the the head office as was is is now they define it as a collaborative space and and it's set up as that that people go there to meet up and and collaborate and talk about projects and discussions and meetings and there's all these different breakout rooms and there's a wellness room and there's you know food's amazing and it just it blew yeah. my mind I was like it came from my little office and came to this I was like well that's that's a life goal isn't it get you know or business goal get get to something like this one day um and it, yeah. it, it was kind of it, it it I saw what you're describing um in terms of that very different workspace it wasn't nobody had a fixed desk you know there weren't desks with computers and people's mugs there and the stationery and the picture of the family it was it was none of that it was almost at the end of the day you wouldn't know who worked there or sat where because it was just it was just desks and spaces and meeting rooms and pods and all this other kind of cool stuff um but then during the day you know it was a, a hub of activity yeah and they would encourage people as well to like you know because we are creatures of habit aren't we and so people are like oh well, i do like this table you do you go um, you go to a, you go to a training course for two days up. day two you sit at the same desk as you did on day one 
Yeah, yeah, but they were good. They would make you mix up. They would make you move around, which was good. Um, but there was lots of things to do with that, like with that space, like working practices that really in HR, like didn't really kind of like think about too much um, about the way in which people work or where they work. And, you know, flexible working was really starting to ramp up those conversations about what that was and why that was. And, and the laws were changing around flexible working requests. And, and so it was really putting things in the forefront about how that works. And especially that change project that I was involved in, they the the people in in the runcorn offices were moving to birchwood and so they were going from this very rundown extremely old like 60s style offices um to the new beautiful swanky well you all know you're around from around there aren't you but the you know new beautiful swanky birchwood offices where you know the like you're saying the food was great and it was this this head office style concept that they had put into this space in birchwood and so yeah those people that were really stuck in their ways were like well no i want to stay in this rundown 60s office yeah the the concrete or so (laughs) like yeah I don't I don't want to leave um you know I don't want to go 10 miles down the road for a Um, ping pong table you're like look at it it's like well good (laughs) yeah but Birchwood is full of those it really is it's a it's a very unique um business center I guess um the the Birchwood area it's just it's become kind of you know um I guess mini Silicon Valley in a way in terms of the the yeah. work the workspaces that that are there. Um, yeah, it's very so many kind of cool offices around around that that area. Okay, and then so that was a fixed term contract. You delivered on that one, and then um, kind of your next role that much much kind of bigger role than it's getting you to the level that you you kind of now kind of senior operational, yeah, senior senior HR role. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I really kind of took that role um, in in my stride, really. Um, so, yeah, the contract, um, fixed term contract ended with, with Rico and, yeah, moved over to San Carlo. And um, it, it was really about looking at what the business needed and in terms of an HR function and again you know I could have probably sat and and like plodded along at the very beginning but there was a lot of work that that needed to be done and uh, you know it it is an amazing incredible business how they got to the point that they were at I mean the the reputation you know is phenomenal as as the restaurant yeah yeah just I think is it am I right? I'm not sure if it's still there, but I remember you used to fly. I think you when you'd land in Manchester Airport, there was a picture of the San Carlo family, you know, almost like welcoming you to yeah, they were, Manchester. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you go to uh like Bristol train station, there's like a picture underneath the kind of underpass of um of the platforms. There's pictures of the family everywhere. Um they are extremely proud as they should be as a family. Um and and they are so all very, very much involved. Um Carlo, the chairman, he never has a day off the, the amount of times I try to get him to have a day off he he absolutely will not 
Um, yeah, even even if he's having a moment of time off, he he'll be at People's Corner in London. Um, you know, really going for it. <laughs> um, but to work with a family-owned business, which was like like with Blue Skies, that was a family-owned business. But to go in with a family-owned business that um, had such strong um, core family values, you know, their their family um values like ran throughout that business and so you know I had to really I had to like learn a lot about that business it took me probably quite a while really um when when I look back now um to really understand kind of where they were at because they'd they'd built that business and brand, at, isn't at that it? point yeah it was a brand and I, I started when there were 16 restaurants and I left when there was 23 about to open. And yeah, they, they when I started, they still kind of considered themselves as like having a couple of sites. I'm like, oh no, you've got like, you've got 16, you're playing with the big boys now. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, and, and it was, but that was also amazing to see. But it was about also the sites worked very independently as if they were their own business, which was one of the like amazing qualities operationally. But we did need to get them to build, to work together um, regionally as well. So they had that kind of network of support between themselves. Um, So that was kind of my biggest project, really, is to getting people to kind of work and share things with each other and have lots of meetings and build regions um, rather than just having brands that worked separately across the country sounds very together as well sounds very kind of um almost kind of operational commercial rather than just being hr yeah yeah so it was about that but during that time as well is working i worked really closely with um the solicitors in terms of writing because the solicitors did everything so I was slowly trying to take away all of the things that the solicitors were doing but also had such an amazing and still do have such an amazing relationship uh with them um and so we spent time writing new contracts policies procedures everything um because there just wasn't that just wasn't there um which is incredible really because I'm like how how do you build a brand like that with like nothing written down it was just incredible it's just in everyone's head I was like I've got to get what's in everyone's head it's great but it's dangerous yeah but I learned so much by doing that because you learn so much about the business and I think that's why I say it probably took me longer to learn so much about the business because everything was in everyone's head and even they didn't realize what it was that they knew or were doing every day because it was just came very naturally um was it a challenge going from almost Nando's which was very structured and everything was you know mapped out to go in there where it's still an amazing brand, but it's it's a di- it's very different type of um, kind of way of working. It's almost a, a more an organic way of well, it's you know it's in our heads. It's fine. We know what we're doing, and you're going okay. We well, you, you can't scale, or you can scale. It just makes scaling very very difficult when it's not documented. It's not mapped out. There's no consistency, and you know, is somebody in Bristol doing the same as somebody in Manchester? Yeah, but then. Like I was saying, it's about sharing those best practices as well, getting things right without 
disrupting the the magic that happens when people go and visit a San Carlo and you didn't want to ever take away from that and I think that's going back to my operational experience as well is anything when you're going in and implementing anything when, especially when you're setting up an HR function or you're new going into a new HR role is you just don't want to put anything in place that's going to disrupt everything or take people away from being at the forefront, in the operation, making money. Because basically that's what, ultimately, breaking it down, that's what people want to do. They just want to go and make loads of money and make people happy. Yeah. And so how do we support them in, in roles like mine to be able to do that effectively without taking them away or keeping them in front of a laptop like all the time? So anything I implemented and all of us within uh, the business within HR, um, within San Carlo, sorry, implemented was that we would always make sure that everything was really well thought out, that we would, you know, get going out to tender, but everything was for the sustainable future of the business so we wouldn't just plug in a system because it sounded really good or it's the newest system in there we would just say right you know is it the right time do we need it like how long is that going to feed us for everything was very well considered so that was incredible really and and I learned a lot in terms of that way in terms of implementing systems building systems that were right for a business to be able to to give people more time actually in operations um, and then taking it away from them, which, you know, HR kind of gets slapped with that a little bit, don't they? That They don't understand the operation. Um, So I'm keen to like break down those kind of. (laughs) Yeah. I (laughs) I think as you say, it's very important to understand your place in the business. It's not about, you know, going in with a bulldozer and being prescriptive. It's about, okay what is the what's the purpose of the business it's a restaurant it's about having a great experience it's about great food it's about great service well actually am I going to shackle them by putting in a process that that needs to be there or actually is there a way that I can do it that is going to not detract from them doing the best that they can do in that job but at the same time you know that structure and process needs to be there for the business um but i'm not gonna yeah i'm not gonna hinder them by doing it it's gonna be yes it needs to be there it's gonna be a little bit of disruption but it's gonna be the minimal amount of disruption that i can possibly create for them yeah and i really learned there as well about how different functions especially within a head office um team how different functions can work well together um and we were you know we were a very small team there was like in the end there was just over 20 of us in the head office um and with 1300 employees across the business as well so it was again a very small head office for the amount of employees we had and but what we learned in terms of because we were implementing things we were a new reorganized um, structure in head office as well when I started and so we didn't want to bombard the operations with new things everyone 
had a new idea about what they should be doing. Um, And so, you know, finance had stuff that was very important and I had stuff that was very important and, you know, marketing had stuff that was very important, but we, we quickly realized that we can't overwhelm people um, because it will have an adverse effect on anything that any of us were intending to do. So we really started to like have, always keeping communications about what we were thinking don't implement anything that was when something else was happening and what was more important and why and it was always about what was more important for the business and the operations and the people running those operations okay fantastic fantastic and then you you left there last year moved into your current role so just tell me a little bit about what you've been doing over the last year then yeah, so similar really with freight. Um, so I got proposed this this role um, as I was looking for other other roles. I did I did the pandemic look of going, ooh, everyone seems to be moving. Should I? And you've been there um, a number of years at St. Carl as well, hadn't you? Yeah, absolutely. And and like I said before, I, I can't sit still. I like a, a bit of a challenge. And I just thought maybe this is my time to to learn again, learning something new, to be able to give stuff to, you know, my my knowledge of, of stuff to other businesses as well. And for myself to learn, you know, I've not really worked in anywhere that was like an entertainment space in this way before. And it's and it's unique. So um, you know, I was so excited about the prospect of this role. It was just like, oh my God, why, why wouldn't I want to? And, 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 you know, the people that work here were, were very like me. I felt like I was kind of really at home as, as the person personally here. Um, and it's extremely diverse and inclusive. And I just thought, yeah, like I, I want to celebrate that. And throughout my interviews, all the things that they were saying, were all the things that I was like, God, that's so important to me, you know? Um, and so, yeah, I was extremely excited was lucky enough to secure the role and um, started here last August. And so, yeah, my role has been setting up the HR function, looking at policies, procedures, looking at how um, a huge focus was on the culture and really pinpointing what our culture was to really build on that looking at how we communicate across the business and how there's so many different things happening all the time. Like we're building stuff all the time. We've got new events on every week. It's, you know, whereas a festival operates for like three days and then sets up, operates, closes down. We do that all day, every day. (laughs) So There is no break. So it's about not overwhelming and exhausting people um but keeping them well informed so they can do the best job they can do um so yeah that's been that's been my role is setting up that hr function looking after their payroll fantastic fantastic well look i mean we've just done over an hour that has absolutely flown by um but i i mean we spoke last year um and i wanted to get you you know, we said once you settled into your new role, we'll get you on. And and it, I, I knew a lot of that already, but it's been it's been really interesting kind of talking through it again. I think there's so much that people can learn from, you know, it's not a, it's not just about doing HR for you. It's about um, doing it the right way. It's about integrity, as you said. It's about understanding how a business operates and delivering HR in a, a you know, a way that complements 
what the business is trying to achieve. I think for anybody listening to this, they could just take so many, you know, little snippets away from hearing you talk about what you what you said. So look, you know, from from me on behalf of everybody, thank you so much for kind of sharing that today because it's oh, no, thank yeah. you. I feel like I've not kind of asked a lot or said a lot, but I was, you know, what you were saying was great. So I just let you kind of go with it most of the time. Oh, thank you very much. Thanks. No worries. If anybody wants to kind of um, just connect with you and ask you any questions or pick your brain, are they okay to kind of connect with you on LinkedIn? And, and yeah. yeah, perfect. Yeah, absolutely. I'm definitely all for collaborating and supporting, especially with an HR. I think, you know, we, we need to do that a lot more. So I'm more than happy to uh, be a part of that. Do you know what? I'm going to do a cheeky little plug now because you just reminded me of something that I, yeah. I, to be honest, I slipped my mind. I wasn't going to say, um, but I just launched a, um, a Facebook group called um, Higher HR Hub. Um, so if anybody does want to, to kind of join a, a kind of a collective group, um, the purpose of it is just so that people can network, um, ask questions, collaborate, um, rant if you want to have a rant. Um, and there's, you know, in the, in, I think, what is it? Um, it's been less than a week. We've got about 270 people on there already um, and already some good debates and conversations happening. So, you know, um, again, if I think certainly in the world of, of HR, there's so many kind of um, innovative ways of operating. And it's I think collaboration is great. That, I mean, that's why I set it up. Just I can be a conduit at times to people, but it's trying to bring my network kind of close together as well. So, yeah, if anybody's interested, um, just go on Facebook and, and look for Higher HR, Higher HR Hub. Um, but you can go on my um, LinkedIn page and there's links to it on there as well. But Julie, love to catch you up again. And um, thank you so much for today. Yeah, thank you too. And there's another show in the bag. I hope you enjoyed it and really appreciate you listening. We've received so much feedback from people who have said how helpful these conversations are and how the insights are helping individuals with their own careers. However, to get the podcast to a larger audience, we need your help. Please could I ask you that you'd write a review on whichever platform you're listening to this on, as it's the ratings and reviews which really help get a podcast promoted. So if you could spare just 30 seconds to write us a review, that would be really, really appreciated. In the meantime, I hope you'll join us on the next episode and I'll see you then. This podcast is brought to you by Hire People, a recruitment agency specializing in the HR and marketing professions. But we're not your typical recruitment agency. When I created Hire People, I very much wanted to rip up the rule book when it came to the model I felt a recruitment business for the modern times should adopt. I've been an internal recruiter as well as a HR manager using the services recruitment agencies. Some good, mostly poor. I've also been a job seeker on the receiving end of poor service from every recruitment agency I applied for a job through. It left me feeling despondent, non-supported and very much like a statistic. So I decided to do a Gandhi and go and be the change that I wanted to see in the world. Hire People was born from that desire to not only run a recruitment agency that has standards, but continuously driving those standards higher. We are highly innovative and introduce the number of features that distinguish us from your typical recruitment agency. We offer a six-month 100% rebate. We've introduced the innovative and groundbreaking Hired360 product, which has brought 3D CVs and 3D job descriptions to the market. And we very much place the emphasis on service, not sales. So if you're interested in working with us, get in touch and let's see how we can help.